and the upper limb the upper limb we have the following bones uh, located in the different regions the regions of the upper limb are listed here arm forearm and the hand and there are bones in different region like the arm we have the humerus in the forearm we have two bones the radius and ulna and in the hand we have eight bones in the region of the wrist called the carpal bones five bones in the palm of the hand which are called the metacarpal bones and phalanges which are located in the fingers counting in the fingers up to 14 bones so let's see each of these bones and some of the bone markings uh, that are in these bones the humerus the humerus articulates superiorly connects with the scapula specifically the glenoid cavity of the scapula and inferiorly with the two bones of the forearm, the radius and the ulna. Those are the connections of the humerus. Some of the features, bone markings that we highlight are the head of the, of the humerus, which is the part that gets in contact, fits into the glenoid cavity of the scapula the anatomical neck which is the connection of the head with the shaft of the bone tubercles small prominences greater tubercle lesser tubercle for connection of muscles those muscles that we mentioned as a rotator cuff muscles because they rotate the upper limb they come and articulate I mean they attach to this bony prominence called the greater tubercle and there's an area called the surgical neck because is a place that is usually fractured if some injury happens this is a place where this humerus is usually broken the surgical neck always see this in the pictures and all these additional markings like the deltoid tuberosity which is in the shaft deltoid because is the place of insertion of the deltoid muscle of the shoulder radial groove it's a space for the radial nerve which goes around the humerus at some point and the rest are markings located in the distal epiphysis so that end that articulates with the radius and ulna the trochlea which articulates with the ulna and the capitulum that articulates with the radius prominences in both sides called the medial and lateral epicondyles and ridges on top of the condyles and three fossae that have these names coronoid olecranon and radial fossae so let's see all this in the diagrams and in the pictures 
First, the head of the humerus. Head of the humerus is all this round surface and the distal epiphysis. The anatomical neck is this line that I'm tracing is showing the anatomical neck. And the surgical neck is at this level. That is a place where it's usually broken. If there's an injury, it usually breaks at the surgical neck. That's why it's called surgical neck. Next to the head of the humerus, this is a posterior view, we'll see the greater tubercle. Next to the head of the humerus, the greater tubercle. If we keep going down, get to the shaft, we'll see a crest, which is called the deltoid tuberosity. That's for insertion of the deltoid muscle. And right next to it, a groove, radial groove, because this is the place where this nerve comes around, the radial nerve, and wraps around the humerus. From an anterior view, this is a picture in the middle, this is anterior view. We see the greater tubercle also, but we see another tubercle, the lesser tubercle. And in between, there is a sulcus, a groove, called the intertubercular sulcus. That is for a tendon. Uh, the tendon of the biceps runs there. And in the distal epiphysis, Again, from a posterior view, we can see two lateral prominences called condyles and epicondyles. This is the medial epicondyle and lateral epicondyle. And the fossa, a fossa called olecranon fossa. This olecranon fossa can be seen from a posterior view only because if we go to the anterior view, we'll find the other two fossa, which are the radial fossa and the coronoid fossa. Two small fossa or spaces there in the anterior view. Two more, capitulum and trochlea. Capitulum is this round round prominence, which is a place of articulation with the radius. And on top of the capitulum, we have the radial fossa. And the trochlea, all this, it looks like a pulley wheel, articulates with the ulna. The trochlea is a place of articulation with the ulna of the forearm. Those are the main bony markings that you have in your list. Head, greater tubercle, lesser tubercle, medial epicondyle, lateral epicondyle, trochlea, capitulum, and the three fossa. All about the humerus. This is a more uh, amplified view of this connection of the humerus with the radius and the ulna. And uh, we see those bones connecting to the humerus. So this is the joint of the elbow. 
This happens in the elbow region. Let's see first the anterior view. This is the radius and this is the ulna. The radius, as we said, connects to the capitulum. And on top of the capitulum, we have this fossa called the radial fossa. The ulna connects to the trochlea. And on top of the trochlea, we have this other fossa called the coronoid fossa. What are those for? Because when we make this movement or flexion, some parts of the radius and the ulna will fit into those fossa, into those spaces. Like, the coronoid fossa is for the coronoid process of the ulna. This pointy part will fit in that fossa when we make flexion of the forearm to the humerus. And from a posterior view, from a posterior view, we can also see this, but in this case, this is the ulna, and this is the radius. The olecranon fossa here. The olecranon fossa is occupied by the olecranon process, which belongs to the ulna. So that olecranon fits in that posterior fossa, and thanks to that is that we have a limit in the movement here. Like when you extend your forearm, there is some limit here. You cannot go beyond this point because it gets locked. And that's the olecranon and the olecranon fossa of the humerus. And in both sides, we see the condyles, medial epicondyle and lateral epicondyle, which can be also easily touched here. If you go to your elbow, start from your arm and going down, you will feel two bony prominences. The, the medial is more prominent and more evident. Again here, laterally, boom, you find a bony prominence. That is the medial epicondyle. And in the other side, the lateral epicondyle is, can be also touched, but there are more muscles in that area. The forearm contains the two bones called radius and the ulna. Radius and ulna, they articulate to each other and they articulate to the humerus. Proximal connection with the humerus and distally it articulates with each other in the radio-ulnar joint. There's a membrane in between these two bones connecting both and it serves as a divider for muscles also and connection between these two bones. The ulna is medial. Remember that. In anatomical position like this, as we studied at the beginning, the ulna is medial. So this surface of the forearm in anatomical position belongs to the ulna. Olecranon, we, see, we saw that in that picture. We'll see more pictures. Coronoid process, radial notch, ulnar head and ulnar styloid process. And the radius is lateral. In anatomical position, lateral is the radius. And always remember this, radius, thumb side, 
and the ulna medial side. Features of the radius, head that articulates with the capitulum of the humerus, radial tuberosity, four, attachment of the biceps muscle, ulnar notch, articulation with the ulna, and styloid process, radial styloid process. In the pictures, let's see these two bones connected by the interosseous membrane. Interosseous membrane is connecting these two bones. Proximal epiphysis, we see the olecranon that belongs to the ulna. Coronoid process can be seen from an anterior view. This is anterior and this is posterior. And then we move the shaft of the ulna and go into the distal epiphysis where we see the head of the ulna. The head of the ulna is the distal epiphysis of this bone. And in a posterior view, we see the olecranon and distal epiphysis the ulnar styloid process. This ulnar styloid process can be seen and touched when you put your hand and forearm like this, this bony prominence, uh, that is the styloid process of the ulna. So this is an, as a reminder that this is a part of the ulna, is more medial in anatomical position. And regarding the radius, distally we have the head which has the appearance of a wheel, you will see that. And that wheel connects to the ulna in the radial notch. There's a joint here between the radius and the ulna. The radius has a neck, and then the radial tuberosity. This is from an anterior view. This radial tuberosity is a place where the biceps muscle attached. And where this muscle contracts, the movement is flexion of the forearm, like this. So the radius come closer to the humerus because the tendon of the biceps is connected to the radial tuberosity. Moving distally in the radius, we have the radial styloid process. The radial styloid process can also be touched here if you place your hand like this. This bony prominence in the thumb side, that is the styloid process of the radius. And from a posterior view, there's not much to see. We just see the head, the neck, and the styloid process of the radius next to the wrist. This is uh, um, the appearance of the ulna from a lateral view, from a lateral view from the radius perspective, because the radial notch, this is the, the ulna, this is the place for connection of the head of the radius. The head of the radius comes here. The olecranon gets into the olecranon fossa. As we see here, this blue is showing the, the olecranon fossa. And this other end is a distal end that shows the articulation of the ulna 
with the radius distally. This is where these two bones connect to each other. And the hand. You get to the hand, and the hand has, uh, has three areas. The first area is called the wrist of the carpal bones. And in this carpal bones, we have two rows of short bones, very small bones. The proximal row, we have these four, scaphoid, lunate, triquitrum, and pisiform. And the distal row, four more, trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, and hamate. Eight bones in the wrist. And in the metacarpal region, or metacarpus, which is the palm of the hand, we have five bones. They don't have a specific name, so we name them according to uh, the location using Roman numerals from one to five, starting with the thumb towards the little <coughs> finger. And these are the connections between the carpals and the phalanges of fingers. And the phalanges, the fingers, also are labeled from one to five, starting at the thumb. The digit one has two bones, and the this digits two, I mean to five, they have three, distal, middle, and proximal. So let's see this in the pictures. These are two views of the bones of the hand. Let's start with an anterior view here. This is anterior. Starting with the fingers. Index finger, as well as the other fingers, they have three phalanges. One distal, one proximal, I mean one middle, and one proximal. Three fingers. And you can see this easily in the fingers. They are separated by the skin fold. And you can easily see this proximal, middle, and distal phalanx. But the thumb has only two. Proximal, I mean distal, and proximal. There's only two in the thumb. The rest of the fingers, the other fingers, they have three phalanges. Then we have the metacarpal bones, which are named according to the numbers, as we see here, Roman numbers, Roman numerals. The first, the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth metacarpal. And they are in the palm of the hand. The fifth metacarpal is usually broken. This is a, a fracture that has a specific name. It's called the boxer's fracture because every time someone gets into a fight or punches against something that is really hard, this usually breaks, the fifth metacarpal bone. Other ones can also be broken, but that one is the first that, that, that breaks first, the metacarpal, fifth metacarpal. And this other side is a posterior view of the hand. Then what is left? The carpal bones. We have eight carpal bones here organized in rows of four. Distal, trapezium, trapezoid, 
decapitate and hamate. And proximal scaphoid, lunate, triquitrum, and pisiform. Now, if you, if you see in your handout, it just says hand, carpal bones, metacarpals, and phalanges. So you don't have to memorize the names of these eight little bones. That makes your life easier. So many bones, minus eight, helps a little bit. Uh, because actually, there are one or two that are important, and usually we hear about injuries. And those are the scaphoid. Why the scaphoid? Because if you notice, the scaphoid and the lunate, these two, these two articulate with the radius. And the triquitrum articulates with the ulna. So these two are actually, I mean, these three, the scaphoid, lunate with the radius and triquitrum with the ulna, are the ones that participate in the joint. So when you make this movement, is your scaphoid lunate moving over the radius, triquitrum over the ulna. Although there are other lesions that may compromise other bones, but the scaphoid is usually the one that gets affected, fractured, like when you have a twisted wrist or you fall on your hands, uh, the scaphoid may be injured mostly. Okay, questions, comments? Okay, I'm going to stop here.